Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us for the Tuesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We have actual good news for conservatives today, as well as some bad news and crazy news. So, Jim, let's dive right into the good. And if you were surprised pleasantly by how well Republicans did from President Trump on down in November among Latino voters and especially Cuban voters, I've got even better news for you. That support has not waned. This is from Politico. A new poll of Cuban-American voters in Florida shows that an overwhelming majority is solidly opposed to the Biden administration re-engaging with the island dictatorship of Cuba, and their brief drift towards Democrats has been totally reversed. Back when Barack Obama was shifting Cuban policy around 2015, 51% of Cubans backed the former president's efforts. Only 36% favored retaining the embargo. Now 66% polled opposed reverting back to Obama policies on Cuba. And 66% say they want to keep the trade embargo in place. The poll also found a majority of 56% oppose easing travel restrictions. Just to show you how much has changed here, uh, President Trump won an estimated 54% of Cuban voters in 2016. Uh, He got 62% in 2020, and he still has a 62% approval rating among Cubans. So it looks like, Jim, that uh, that support's not going anywhere. And of course, the Politico analysis of this is, well, Republicans said that the left wants to drag our country in the direction of socialism. Yeah, they do. A lot of them do. And the Cubans saw that. They know what they or their uh, relatives escaped a number of years ago. They desperately don't want to go back to that. And I don't think it's a big surprise that they're willing to just assume the Democrats won't try that again. You know, Greg, Democrats are going to have probably a very bracing collision with reality in the coming couple of years because for the past five years, Donald Trump was just this preeminent, larger-than-life uh, figure in American politics who just sucked up all the oxygen in the room. Um, and if you were a, de- you know, because, you know, Trump was this inherently divisive, combative, in your face, uh, and his style and personality and the sorts of things he uh, said and did and what was focusing on him and his daily Twitter rants, and, you know, he was, he was bringing the circus to town, um, that alienated a lot of people. There were a whole bunch of people, particularly in the suburbs, who used to be either Republicans or kind of Republican-leaning or at minimum independent, who were completely turned off by this and said, you know what, I'm a Democrat now. And as long as Trump was there, he was this uh, kind of like the opposite side. The, the two, when you have two magnets are the same side of, of north-south, they kind of repel each other, right? He was kind of pushing people into that. Well, Trump has been much quieter since he's left office. And so that, you know, dyna- that dynamic, that, that sense of him being this persona that so many Americans who didn't necessarily love the Democrats just could not abide and had to vote for Democrats, well, that's gone. Or at least it's no longer nearly the factor that it used to be. Meanwhile, the Trump factors that attracted people to the Republican Party, at least so far, at least according to this survey, haven't gone that far. And so obviously one of the big surprises of the 2020 election was Trump increasing his uh, lead in Florida by a considerable margin, doing considerably better amongst uh, Hispanics. And 
Latinos and, you know, particularly amongst Cuban Americans, which you're right, had started to drift towards the Democrats during the Obama years, but also amongst Venezuelan Americans, also amongst Honduran Americans, also amongst, you know, basically anybody who came from a central or South American country that had dealt with uh, socialist leaders who turned into communist leaders who turned into communist authoritarian dictators. This dynamic hasn't gone away. And if you suspect Joe Biden is soft on communists, well, nothing he's done since getting into office is going to really shake you uh, of that of that viewpoint. Um, and again, for a long time, maybe the Democrats could say, well, it's OK, we can make up these voters amongst those suburbanites. But they're not going to have that dynamic there. So we'll see how this shakes out. But this is a good sign for the Republican Party in the uh, longer term. Uh, it shows that this was not a short lived blip, that this was not um, you know, a one year reaction to Bernie Sanders doing well in the first couple of Democratic primaries. Um, you know, the label socialism is now pretty solidly attached to the Democratic Party, and that's going to hurt them amongst these Democrats for probably some time to come. Absolutely right. And I, I do think a big part of uh, the appeal to the Republicans for, for Cuban voters and other Latino voters was the fear of what Democrats would do if given control of everything. And now they have control of everything. But also, I think they see that when Republicans have a positive, specific message on issues, uh, the Republican message, the conservative message really appeals to them. Very family-oriented. Uh, the, the Latino uh, unemployment rate was fantastic until the pandemic. And so they saw a lot of policies that were directly helping them. And it's not just that they look at themselves as a monolithic community, but they saw that uh, these same policies were helping uh, folks across the country. And so I think when we pay attention to specific policies that help people and uh, don't get always bogged down in uh, in, in soundbite politics, uh, people notice that it works. So we should probably do more of it. All right, let's talk about some more good news, and that is getting your student debt under control with Earnest. Look, it's uh, time to break out of that student debt cycle, and I know finances can be tough right now, but Earnest can help you by refinancing your student loan. Earnest offers low-rate student loan refinancing, and you can check your rate risk-free in just two minutes. With Earnest, you get radically flexible payments, and you can pick your loan term. By refinancing, you can reduce your loan term, save money, or combine multiple loans into a simple monthly payment. And if you have questions, you can even talk to a real live human being at Earnest for help. Now, isn't it time you stop being overwhelmed by your student debt? Even better, now Ernest is offering our three Martini Lunch listeners a $100 bonus. So refinance your student loans at earnest.com slash martini. Terms and conditions apply. Once again, a $100 cash bonus when you visit earnest.com slash martini to refinance your student loan. It's not available in all states. And again, terms and conditions apply. All right, Jim, back to the soap opera in Albany, where Andrew Cuomo one day looks like he's bulletproof, another day looks like the whole world's against him, and now we're just not so sure, and it's looking like the momentum might be slowly swinging back the other way, even though an impeachment investigation has formally begun in the state legislature. This statement yesterday from New York State Democratic Chairman Jay Jacobs. Quote, now that virtually every Democratic elected official has made their views known and the governor has made clear that he has no intention of resigning until the results of the independent investigation into the allegations against him have been completed, it is incumbent upon everyone to focus on getting the work of government done. 
Over the next two weeks, the state must complete a budget, ramp up its already extensive vaccination program, and tend to the many other responsibilities that require the full attention of state government. And so he's essentially saying, Jim, ah, uh, yeah, yeah, he, we all think he should go, although I don't know if he has specifically said that. Uh, he says he's not going to, so anyway, let's move on. But the, the news gets worse, though, because the actual people of New York seem to agree with this position. They say that uh, Cuomo should stay by a 50 to 35 margin overall, with 15 percent saying they're not sure. The only uh, demographic here in favor of Cuomo resigning are Republicans, and it really seems conservative Republicans. Uh, 64 to 29, Republicans say he should resign. Democrats, 61, 25, say he should not. Independents say he should not, 46 to 32. This is all from Siena polling, by the way. Uh, men, 47, 39, say he should not. This was the biggest surprise to me, Jim. Women, 52 to 32, say he should not. Moderates, 53 to 28, say he should not. Doesn't matter if you're a union household or not. It gets a little bit tighter as to whether you're in the city or in the suburbs, but both still favor him not resigning. So, Jim, this kind of reminds me of the Clinton era. Oh, man, yeah, he shouldn't have done that. But he's so good on all the issues I care about, so let's just move on. Yeah, I, I kind of done this semi-jokingly thinking of like, look, we, we asked him to resign and he said, no, what more could we possibly do? But that really is the tone of the New York State Democratic Party and it's kind of infuriating. Um, I won't rehash my entire rant of last week, but again, like what level of wrongdoing makes you believe that somebody should resign because they've demonstrated bad judgment, because they can't be trusted? because they've shown they abuse their power and they abuse their authority and they treat people badly, but you're not going to try to remove them. You know, <laughs> you know like, like the idea that, 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 that voting to remove or taking steps to impeach somebody and resignation are just these like, you know, worlds apart and that there's no reasonable case to make you know, that you could make one, but the other one is this wild overstep or wild overreaction. Doesn't make much sense. Those poll numbers are really depressing. And I think, I, I, you know, you kind of want to get in the faces of the people who feel this way. But like, if if you genuinely look at at uh, we're now up to, now up to seven accusers of Governor Andrew Cuomo. There was somebody on the View who kept saying, "Look, we, we haven't even investigated these things." Okay, but do you think all seven are making it up? You know, do you think all seven well, who all work with them? There, there's none of these are a Julie Swetnick. This person is just making up implausible stories. Uh, this isn't Christine Blasey Ford, where we have no evidence that the, you know she and Kavanaugh ever met other than her account. Um, we've got seven people who all were known, are known employees, known longtime associates of the governor, um, who really don't have much to benefit by coming forward at this time. And this is, you know, the exit. You think all seven are making it up, really? And the deep-rooted truth, Greg, is that there are a lot of people who say they care about Me Too, who say they oppose sexual harassment, who say that these sorts of behavior in pol- you know, political leaders, business leaders, or anybody in society, this is not acceptable. Unless it's a politician they like, well, then it's okay. Then they'll find reasons to not believe the accusers or make excuses or, well, that's between him and them and it's none of our business or, or anything like that. It's it's deeply depressing. And I think it indicates that deep down we say we care about these issues, but we don't really care about these issues, at least not if it might mean somebody we like has to resign.
Yeah, it's entirely conditional now, and we should point out that the lieutenant governor is a Democrat. It's not like a Republican's going to sweep into the governor's office in Albany if he were to be removed or were to resign. Uh, you thought those numbers were depressing, Jim. Check this out from the same poll. Overall, 57% of voters are satisfied with the explanations the governor has given so far amid the harassment allegations, but this will make you really pull your hair out. New York voters also continue to approve of his handling of the pandemic, with 60% finding he is doing a good or excellent job. Little change from last month. But on nursing home deaths, voters give Cuomo a very negative rating, 66 negative to 27 positive. So his pandemic handling is great. Well, his policies may have contributed to the deaths of up to 15,000 people. That's bad. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on in the minds of New York voters here. Hey, look, Corumbus, he did a great job outside of the nursing homes. Um, That's my very bad New Yorker uh, accent there. Um, The only other thing I would note, Greg, is that we should point out on that survey that is 60 percent of the respondents, all of whom who were still alive, um, (laughs) which is really not necessarily a representative sample of New Yorkers, at least at the start of 2020. Oh, man. Oh, man. I didn't survey any of the dead. Now, did they? You know how smug he's going to be if he doesn't get kicked out of office now? I mean, it was insufferable before, but now he's going to be basically... I told you that I oh, did God. nothing uh, wrong. Now God, I've Greg, been can you just go back to the grammar errors? That, that was easier to take on my ears. Than... Uh, we didn't even have time to get to the wealth tax that the New York Democrats want to do. $7 billion on top of the $100 billion they're getting in the COVID relief bill. And I'm making quotation marks with my fingertips there. Anyway, let's talk about something a little bit happier, and that is my pillow. You know they make fantastic pillows, but they also give the same attention to their towels and sheets. In fact, right now, Three Martini Lunch listeners can buy one, get one free on all six-piece towel sets and the Giza Dream Sheet sets. My pillow towels have proprietary technology that makes these towels highly absorbent. They are soft to the touch without that lotion-y feel. They have a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. They are washable, they're dryable, and they have seven colors to choose from. The Giza Dreams bed sheets are made with the world's best cotton. They also have the sateen weave, giving them a luxurious finish and have you sleeping great. Also a 10-year warranty and 60-day money-back guarantee. Washable and dryable with a wide variety of colors and sizes. Visit MyPillow.com to learn more and to buy. Right now, for Three Martini Lunch listeners, all six-piece towel sets and Giza sheets are buy one, get one free. Just use the promo code MARTINI at checkout or call 800-874-0104. That's MyPillow.com. Com, code martini or call 800-874-0104 for buy one get one free on all six-piece towel sets and giza dream sheets all right jim let's talk vaccinations here in our crazy martini folks are now familiar with pfizer and moderna and more recently johnson and johnson the other one that is still under evaluation here in the United States is the AstraZeneca vaccine. Some people call it the Oxford vaccine, but it has been approved in a number of other countries. But now its use is being suspended in at least 15 European countries and a few others on other continents as a result of concerns over possible blood clotting. Uh, That is the reason that uh, folks from Bulgaria, Denmark, France, Germany, on and on and on it goes. Um, You point out in the morning jolt today that so far the data shows that an individual person's odds of developing blood clots are slightly higher than getting struck by lightning. So you're not sure that uh, the, the concern is warranted here. What do we know for sure? Yeah. By the way, I had somebody write in and say, well, Jim, 
the difference between the risk of being struck by lightning and the risk of getting blood shots from the vaccine is that some people are at higher risk of being struck by lightning. And I guess he didn't mean tall people. Uh, you know, I guess the people who go out in thunderstorms or, or something like that. And whereas the, you're, ideally you're giving the vaccine to all adults. But, you know, the point is that the odds of these two outcomes are similarly rare. Um, do you remember during the pandemic, the you know, first couple of weeks or months, you probably heard about how, God, we've got Trump in charge, and oh, we're we're so full of stupid Americans. We're ignorant. We're backwater hicks who are superstitious, and we don't believe in science. Or if you're if you're Gavin Newsom, you say science, like in that old music video um, <laughs> of uh, Thomas Dolby, because you know obviously science. And, oh, why can't we be like those sophisticated Europeans? The Europeans have this figured out. They're serious. They're real. They know what's going on about this. Well. Almost all of that is nonsense. That you know, they, it, it's not merely like a severe exaggeration. Um, right now, a whole bunch of European countries—Bulgaria, Denmark, France, Germany, Iceland, Ireland, Italy, Latvia, Luxembourg, Netherlands, Norway, Portugal, Slovenia, Spain, and Sweden—have all suspended the use of the AstraZeneca vaccine. A couple of them said we're only going to do this for a couple of days. A couple have said indefinitely. But right now, I mean, as of a couple of days ago, they were giving them out. And, and by the way, keep in mind, overall. European countries are moving much slower at the vaccine than the United States is. We, I give grief to a whole bunch of states that are at the bottom of the list, but they're, you know, the worst states in the District of Columbia have been around using like two-thirds of their supply, and that's the sort of thing that has me tearing out my hair and mocking them and, and ridiculing them and tearing them a new one. And there are like at least six European countries that have put one-third of the shots that they received into arms so far, at least as of a couple of days ago. Europe is moving abysmally slowly at this. And then they stop using this particular vaccine. So that's really bad. You know, the question is, so is there a, is there a risk of blood clots? Theoretically, yes, but there's a risk of blood clots from a lot of things. And nobody has connected that these people getting these blood clots got it because of the AstraZeneca vaccine. In fact, the company says, yes, you know, these small amount of people got it during the trial, but there's a higher number of blood clots in the placebo group uh, of their trials than in that. This placebo is the people who get the sugar pill, people, people who get something that is not the vaccine and you compare it to people uh, to weed out psychosomatic reactions and other factors and stuff like that. You know, it's, if, if, the, if the drug causes a genuine side effect, you should be seeing much higher numbers amongst the, the sample, uh, the number of people who got the real thing, as opposed to the people who got the placebo. Um, at this point, there's really no evidence to believe this, but that this the vaccine causes blood clots. And as I said, you know, you look at the statistics, you know, your your odds are roughly comparable to getting struck by lightning. Uh, the odds of dying or having a you know, by the way, by the way, we should point out, could you have a, a a reaction to the vaccine? Sure, lots of vaccines cause reactions. Lots of people have sore arms. Lots of people have dizziness or headaches or nausea or uh, stuff like that. You you probably should be monitored if you've had reactions to it or uh, to, to a vaccine before you should probably talk to your doctor and be careful but by and large none of these are bad none of these are factors that make you say well don't get the vaccine then um europe is full of anti-vaxxers and vaccine skeptics and it's kind of surprising it doesn't fit our reputation you know we think oh you know california has got all the crystal waving you know new age hippie types who are into essential oils and then you got the paranoid backwoods militia types who think the pharmaceutical companies are working with the big government to get bill gates microchip into you or something like that but we're actually pretty good at this and compared to europe we are way ahead of them um and the interesting thing is that just about 
not every last corner of Europe. You know, I went through the news coverage. I could find complaints about vaccine or stories about vaccine skepticism in southeastern Europe, central Europe, and uh, southern Europe. And uh, I did was it you know sixty two percent of Italians and Spaniards, forty percent of the French. Uh, these are the people who are willing to get the the vaccine. Um, it's just kind of ridiculous. Now, some people think this is. Uh, a delayed Brexit reaction that AstraZeneca and the Oxford vaccine are getting uh, heightened scrutiny because it's considered the British vaccine and this is kind of a way of sticking it to the UK. I I can't believe they'd be dumb enough to do something like this. But what I do think is a plausible explanation is that these stories are getting out about this person had a blood clot because of the AstraZeneca vaccine. And these governments realize they already have a vaccine skeptic population. So the best way to handle it, they think, is, all right, we're going to pause. We're going to review the data. We're going to look at this. And after a couple of days, if we don't see anything in the data, we'll start it up again. And, and you know, like on, you might say, oh, OK, well, that makes sense. That's just being cautious. That's just uh, reassuring people that nothing's being rushed or swept under the rug. But the problem is most of these European countries are having a surge in cases again. And your chances of dying from the coronavirus are way higher than your chances of dying from the vaccine. So. I, Greg, I, I never, I, oh, I've been scoffing at this, uh, this narrative ever since the days of, you know, oh, that unilateral cowboy George W. Bush, and you know, oh, if only we could be more like the French and Germans and Jacques Chirac and uh, uh, wasn't Helmut Kohl? Who was there? Gerhard Schroeder. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, those sophisticated, so those sophisticated European. I never liked that narrative. It was almost always nonsense. But this one, like, who's the backwater hicks now? Who are the crazy people clinging to anti-scientific skepticism now? Europe. Um, look, we may not have handled the opening months of this pandemic really well, but we're handling the closing months really. We're, we're closing strong, and Europe is absolutely dropping the ball. And considering how they usually play football instead of football over there, they shouldn't be touching the ball at all. <laughs> I'm just thinking about that old gang of European leaders from back in the day, thinking about Tony Blair, uh, who sounds suspiciously like C-3PO. And now that I've told you that, you'll never hear him the same way again. Uh, Jim, uh, I don't think we're there yet. Do you have any idea when we'll be at the point where here or anywhere you'll be able to walk in and say, I want that vaccine instead of whatever one they've got at the moment? Yeah. For what it's worth, by the way, everybody says if you get if they have a chance to get a vaccine, take it. All of them are effective. All of them are safe. All of them are worthwhile. Um, I, I feel like I've seen the most research on the Pfizer vaccine, um, and that seems you know both of them are up ninety some percent. Uh, you know Johnson and Johnson is slightly less. Insert Jets jokes here. <laughs> um, Novavax apparently looks pretty good, um, and the other you know this is not available in the United States at this point, but uh, uh, kind of an interesting option for Europe is that Russia's vaccine, the the Sputnik one, actually works. I'm as surprised as anybody, but good for you, Russia. Um, it's the Chinese vaccine that I believe had a 51% efficiency. So you're, it's kind of a coin toss. Might work, might not. But hey, what country would you trust more to develop a vaccine than the country that made this, this virus in its lab? <laughs> not really, as far as we know. Just leave that hanging out there for tomorrow. Jim, have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. We're always extraordinarily grateful for your kind reviews and your five-star ratings. Uh, please remember also to get the podcast on those home devices. All you have to say, play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. Jim is at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great day, and please join us again on Wednesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. 
Cuomo is a total skeeve. Biden can't stop staring into the sun. Meghan Markle is oppressed and people are renting out bridesmaids. Hey, it's the Chicks here from the Chicks on the Right podcast. Download and subscribe to our daily podcast to hear us tear into political people and pick apart all the latest pop culture whack. No one and nothing is off limits and a good time will be had by all. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.